service that brings honor and glory to his name. We talked about it in our time of Sunday school and it bears repeating that God is good. And he's not like the stock market. He's not up one day and down the next, but he's good all the time. Praise the Lord. Do bear in mind those announcements that have been made previously in the service and you hearing. That is uh, the services for Brother Anthony Cummings' father. We'll have the privilege of hosting that service here Tuesday, 2 o'clock, the funeral tomorrow night, the wake at New Vision Church of God. Also, the camp meeting services. Amen. I know that you've been praying in preparation for a mighty outpouring of the Lord's presence in those services. God would really anoint those men to bring to us a word from heaven. Churches are drawn together for a time of fellowship. I'm anticipating a great, great week in the Lord. That being said, there'll be no Wednesday evening midweek Bible study services here due to our participation in the camp services. But God willing, rapture doesn't take place. We're going to be here next Sunday again to worship and praise God. Don't forget to kick off next Saturday on the HC Fitness Ministry. This is something we ought to give attention to. If we're concerned about our spiritual man, we indeed need to be concerned about our physical man. Praise the Lord. You know, I began a series about three weeks ago on the three M's of life. The three M's of life. I said I wanted to reveal my list of about the three most important questions that I believe um, I've ever answered or responded to in my life. Anybody remember that? Anybody remember that? What was the first message? Who is your master? Is that important? Joshua said, choose this day whom you'll serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Is it important that the world knows who we serve? So it goes without saying, that's one of the single greatest questions that you'll ever be posed to answer in your life. Who's your master? What about last Sunday? Last Sunday... What is your mission? What is your mission? Anybody know that's an assignment that's given to us by God? Somebody said Jesus Christ, amen, that was his mission. No, Christ was his last name. No, that's not true. Christ was his mission. Christ means the anointed one or Savior. And he himself said, That the Son of Man has come to seek and to save all that which was lost. How many of us know that our assignment is the Great Commission? Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every kingdom. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I'm with you always. Even to the end of the world. Isn't that a wonderful consolation today to know that in the assignment that God's given us, Brother Cameron, the mission that the Lord has given us in this life, that we are not alone. Brother Marty, that he's with us, assisting us, Brother Demetrius. Praise God. We need not say that we are not qualified because the Lord is with us. And he will never, ever place more upon us, according to his word, than we're able to bear. Today I want to pose a question. Somebody said, but it's Father's Day. No greater time than right now to wish all our dads a happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, dads. Praise the Lord. Give all our fellas a big hand. I found out something really interesting on the news this morning. Evidently people have been talking about how daddies get shysted. Just saying. Evidently, folk have been talking about it because Daddy Day spending is up this year. Yeah, some of y'all get that over supper tonight. I, I, I can tell it just. I said, Daddy Day spending is up. I mean, we go all out for Mother's Day to the tune of billions of dollars. But Daddy Day spending is up. We have now reached the millions, guys. Amen. We have now reached the millions. So somebody's paying attention. Daddies are important too. Praise the Lord. Amen. I want to conclude this series, Next Steps, the three M's of life, with choosing a mate. 
God's way. Choosing a mate God's way. Do you believe that we ought to let God be a part of the selection process? Y'all talk, holler back. I don't hear y'all. Talk back to me. Do you believe God ought to be a part of the selection process? That we shouldn't choose a mate without involving God? I mean, I'm talking to Christian folk in here, aren't I? Do you believe that God ought to lead the charge when we're looking for a mate? Somebody said, well, I mean, i got to understand what a mate is first. Well, a mate is a partner in marriage or a spouse. Someone we're going to stand before an audience of people and the congregation of heaven and commit our lives to. So should God be a part of the process? Without a doubt. Turn with me in your Bibles this morning to the book of Genesis chapter number 24 and verse number 7. Genesis 24 and 7. Who's your master? What's your mission? And choosing a mate God's way. Are you there? Let's read from the Word of God together. One verse, verse number 7. Genesis chapter 24 and verse number 7. The Lord God of heaven who took me from my father's house and from the land of my family and who spoke to me and swore to me saying to your descendants I give this land he will send his angel before you and you shall take a wife for my son from there Father God we again ask you to anoint your word as you have before time Lord God let it penetrate the hearts of all listeners today that we will gain an understanding of that that you desire from us as your people Lord and we leave this place help us to be changed by your power your presence and glory there's an unsaved person under our voice Lord we release the convicting power of the Holy Spirit Lord, to bring them to repentance through confession. They may receive the glorious gift of salvation. We ask it by faith in Jesus' name. God's church shouted, Amen. Amen. You might be seated in the presence of the Lord. Well, it's about 1118. And I know some of you got big plans for Dad today. So if I have any control of myself, get us out of here. Thank you, Brother Larry. Brother Larry said, take your time. Amen. So thank God for the Word of God. As strange as it may sound, arranged marriages can be traced back to biblical times. And even today. Amen. In Orthodox Jewish, Islamic, and Hindu families, arranged marriages are still observed. You see, this was important because if one married another from a foreign clan, they could possibly be introduced to pagan beliefs and or customs, which would do what? It would separate them from God and from His plan. So it's important for us to understand that the Scripture outlines to us what a godly mate should be. This is Word. This is the Bible. Most importantly, that our love should center around our relationship with Christ Jesus. If we're looking for a mate, our mate should live a life focused on walking in obedience to God's Word and seeking to glorify Him through a devoted union as our spouse. Any of you guys tell God that your wife had to meet some prerequisites before you married her? I'm the only one. You boys aren't choosy then, are you? Am I the only guy that said, God, there's some things that's got to line up before I get married? Brother Steve raised his hand. He's not ashamed. Any other dads in here right now that would say in the presence of God, oh, yeah, I, I prayed long and hard about it. I told God there were just some prerequisites that she had to meet 
before we ever married. Anybody? Brother James said it. I know you're wondering what, what, what was my list. Okay. I said, God, number one, she's got to be saved because I am. Don't hear y'all. Y'all, y'all not talking back. First thing I said was, Lord, she has to be a Christian because I'm a Christian. And because I love you. I don't want to be married to a woman that doesn't love me. And then secondly, I said, Lord, she's got to be pretty because I... <clears throat> I said, Lord, she's got to be pretty because I ain't half bad. I didn't say I was handsome or good looking, but uh, yeah, so sorry, Frog won't praise his own pond. Uh, I said to another brother in the church this morning, I said, you see that handsome fellow on that billboard? He said, I certainly did. Amen. So the truth of the matter is, I said, God, she's got to be a pretty woman. Praise the Lord. Number one, she's got to be saved. She's got to be pretty. Some of y'all wondering what number three is. I said, Lord, she got to cook like my mama. Oh, praise the Lord. Help me somebody. I don't need no microwave wife, Lord. Can I get one amen? I said, Father, she got agrees to please. Come on. Y'all help me. She got to be able to cook like my mama because my mama fed me all the days of my life. Some of you boys don't want to talk to me. Y'all been eating them hungry mandanas. I'm looking at you, praise the Lord. You boys don't want to holler back at the pastor. Pastor, she can't burn water. She ain't sent from God. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I said, God, those are three prerequisites that my wife has to meet. I met her at the age of 17. Four years of courtship and 34 years of marriage later, she's still the one. Praise the Lord. So tell me that God won't attend to your needs. God will answer your prayers. If you will be specific in your address to his throne, God will meet the demand. And I want to prove that to us today from the word of God. Where we often fail is that we fail to allow God to lead the way. Come on, we fail to allow God to lead the way. Let's look at the story afforded us. In the longest chapter of the book of Genesis, chapter 24, you would definitely you would never have thought that chapter 24, uh, which basically speaks about Abraham's desire to find a wife for Isaac, would be of much significance. But it is. It's the longest chapter in the book of Genesis. What we have to understand is that uh, to lead means to guide. It means to guide. And in our culture, our culture today, young people generally choose their own mates largely on romantic reasonings. It's going to get real quiet in here after a while. Praise the Lord. They, they, they don't allow God to be a part of the selection process. And I read an article read recently in CNN and it talked about millennials in the country of India, which are primarily Hindus, and how that they were embracing arranged marriages. Now, uh, Brother Marty, that almost throws up a, a, a red flag for us because we, we start thinking, I don't want my daddy to be picking my wife. Y'all help me. Know what you are reflecting back on is all those movies that you've seen when she walked in with a veil over her face and they pulled the veil. Boy, I could see the shock on some of your faces now when your dad picked your spouse and they removed that veil. Oh, God. Hallelujah. Lord, we might be from the same gene pool, but Daddy don't have the same taste as me. Hello? That's because we all too often in the selection process, we hang a lot of weight on Romantic reasonings. But that isn't God's selections process. That's not a part of what God involves. Let's look at Proverbs 19 and 14. I actually have a friend who is in an arranged marriage right now. Good friend. It's working out well. It's a little different and would be for us in this country. But it works. 
Proverbs 19, 14, houses and riches are in abundance from fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. This is God's process. Did not God choose Eve for Adam? Hello. He wants to guide our selection process as well. Let me bring this story to life for us as we're gathered here this morning. We have to understand that in the due process of time that God calls Abram out of Ur of the Chaldees, a very idolatrous region of the world. Terah, his daddy, was an idol worshiper. And God just spoke to him out of all people on the planet. And he told him to get up and go to a land that I'm going to show you. The Word of God tells us that in faith, the man of God, Abram, who at that time was his name, responded to what God said. And then later, God, uh, he, he utters some promises uh, to his faithful servant, Abram. His name is later changed to Abraham. And when he is well advanced in years, somebody say well advanced. Somebody say long before the little blue pill. At 100 years old, Abraham becomes a dad. Ninety years old, God tells Sarah she's going to have a child, and they just giggle themselves a fit. I'd laugh, too, if God told me at 100 years old, I'm going to be a dad. Whoa. But they find out at 190, he's 100, she's 90, they're going to have a baby. You getting this? Well, how else is God going to fulfill his covenant promises if the man has no seed? If he has no descendants? How many know that God's the original promise keeper? And God took him out one evening, Brother Joe, and he, he, he revealed to him a starry lit night. And he said, let me tell you something, man of God. Brother Demetrius, when you're able to count those stars that are littering the night sky, you'll be able to count your descent. Brother Jason, it takes great faith to believe God for that when you don't even have a son in the house. But the Bible declared that Abraham, amen, he believed God and it was accounted or accredited unto him for the sake of righteousness. So what does Abraham find success in? Allowing God to lead the way. You know, over the process of time, uh, Sarah has the promised seed of Abraham and his name is Isaac. Right? Understanding the backdrop of today's text, Sarah has already died and has no grandchildren. She's already died. And Abraham has gotten even older. But guess what? Everything he had, God blessed. Didn't he? It's the Bible. It's the Word of God. So Abraham was old and Sarah was already dead. And Isaac was a 40-year-old man who didn't have a wife. According to the history of the Bible. So what happens? Abraham reflects back on the promises of God. And he's concerned, Abraham is, he's concerned about the will and the attention, amen, of God. He says, I, I want to take the best servant that I've got. And I want to send him on a journey to find for my son a wife. But he asked that servant, uh, Brother Manny, to swear an oath or to make a vow. And he says, don't take for my son a wife of the Canaanite women. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Why did he not want his son to marry a Canaanite woman? Because they were the bitter enemies of God. And because his son would be infected with their rituals and with their pagan customs and or practices. Hello? So Abraham was concerned that his son wouldn't get a wife that would turn him away from God. Should that be our concern as parents today? Amen? In a culturally diverse society that we live in, should we be concerned that the person that our son or daughter would enter holy matrimony with, would we be concerned that they would be turned from what? we know as amen God and truth should we be concerned Abraham was concerned he said that woman will be an ungodly influence don't you let my son marry a Canaanite woman. don't you bring back a woman from the land of Canaan somebody said I still don't understand well, do you know in the process of time that God had promised the children of Israel that they would inhabit the land of Canaan but to do that, seven nationalities of people had to be driven out before the presence of the people of God. Why again? Because they're going to be infected and they're going to be influenced by such ungodly nations of people. 
This is better preaching than you're responding. That's a great principle when selecting a godly mate. Let's look at Proverbs 15 and verse 22. Proverbs 15, 22. Without counsel, plans go awry. But in the multitude of counselors, they are established. You believe God ought to be involved in the selection process. Praise the Lord, somebody. Well, here's what I discovered. In modern dating cultures, this is often omitted. For the courting model is much wiser than the dating model. You didn't even know there was such, did you? There is such. Because the courting model means that we're to be involved with another person with the intent of marriage. Where the dating model, the foundational principles thereof, involve a romantic courtship, which leads to friendship, eventually intimacy, quite possibly marriage, or no relation at all. So I'm going to side with the courting model. In the courting model, couples want godly people, sharing wisdom with them throughout the process of getting to know their potential mate. You see, if God allows a failure or a breakup in the courtship, we get angry without even considering that God foresees something as potentially hazardous in our lives. I've seen people court and and break up, and it was like the world came to an end. Y'all looking at me like, you? I know you've been there. You don't want anybody to know it, but you've been there. Walk out in the woods crying out to God, Lord, why, why me? It's possibly because that was not the person for you. It's possibly because the connection hadn't been made from God's end. And that person was not the one that you should be uh, in a relationship with for the whole rest of your life. You see, God, praise the Lord, he always uh, knows the future. He holds it in the palm of his hand. You see, he's not excited about what's good for us. God only desires what's best for us. Isn't that right, saints? He's our father. Abraham's servant vowed to honor Abraham's request. Do you think he could have easily found a wife for Isaac? If everything Isaac's daddy had was blessed, how many women don't you think would have been ready to jump on the opportunity? Praise the Lord. He wouldn't have had to go far to find a wife. But he had to go over 500 miles and invest over a month in travel just to get to Nahor where he could find a wife for Abraham's son, Isaac. You're going to be real, real intrigued as you read this story. And it says something very important to us. What does it say? It says that God, Brother Freeman, has a design in marriage. Does God have a design in marriage? Y'all aren't talking to me. God has a plan. Sister Mary, he has a blueprint. The Lord himself has a model for the marriage union. God does. Who initiated the sacred institution? God did. Who would know more of his plan and design for it than God? No one would. You see, God created us, you and I, to need companionship. How many of you boys are glad of that? Are you glad God created us to need companions? It's your day to shine now. Your day to shine, men. I mean, I'm asking you. Are you thankful that God designed you to need companionship? Brother Ernie threw up his hand. He's not ashamed. Praise the Lord. I'm grateful that God designed us for companionship. You know in the whole creation story, all that we find with regard to something not being good was Adam's solitary state. Did you know that? 
All that we find in the account of creation, the only thing that could be, could be classified or the only part of God's creation that could be declared not good would revolve around Adam's solitary. What does that mean? Lonely. Unaccompanied state. Oh, my. So God made Adam. And there Adam was alone without a companion. I know where some of your minds are already wondering, well, look what that woman cost him. No, hold on a second. Hold on a second. If he'd have been where he ought to have been with God, praise the Lord. Y'all don't want me to open that can. He was responsible himself. He could have said no, but he didn't. Did God know they would sin when he put them in the garden? He did or he wouldn't be God. One of the attributes of God is that he is omniscient. John meaning he is all-knowing. He knows the before, the current, and the after. He is God. Look at Genesis 2.18. Genesis chapter number 2 and verse number 18. Let's look at it together. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. Boys, I don't know about y'all, but I'm happy that God said that. Do you thank God for your wife? I thank God for my wife. I don't think there's enough adjectives that I could use to describe her. Seriously. There are two women in the world without I wouldn't be who I am. That's my mother and my wife. That's the God's truth. And when you start looking for a wife and you ask God that your wife would meet those prerequisites, that she would have a heart for the deep things of God, that she would love you like she loves herself, God's going to place you with the right mate. Amen? Praise the Lord, somebody. Look at Genesis 2.18. It's not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. The King James translation said, a help meet for him. Okay? Now, I look at it like this. God created a help for Adam who met, who was suitable, who was fit, who was proper for him. So when God created Eve, she was the helper who was suitable for Adam. You see these couples get on there when it's Valentine's Day and they tell their wife, you're the other half that makes me whole. Oh man, don't it just make them goosebumps rise on you, don't it? When they get on there and they tell their wives on social media, you complete me. Isn't that just a blessing? In the back of your mind, you're saying, wait till you stay with them X amount of years. I know you are. You, I mean, you, you can fool each other, but you're not going to fool God. Preach, Pastor Terry. Hello? So does this mean that every man must have a wife to complete him? No. That does not mean that. Not everyone wants to be married. This is true. It's recorded in the Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 7 through 9. It's recorded. Paul writes about this. Paul said, I wish that all men were even as I myself. But each one has his own gift from God. One in this manner and another in that. But I say to the unmarried and to the widows, it is good for them if they remain even as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, let them marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. What is Paul implying? Paul is implying that marriage and celibacy are both gifts from God. Amen, saints. They are both gifts from God. They are both valuable in accomplishing the purposes of God. Paul wasn't saying that we shouldn't be married. But Paul was saying if we, if we have vowed to celibacy, 
we're, we're going to be able to focus more on the things of God. Praise the Lord. If you want godly mates, you must position yourself to find them. Is that what God's servant, is that what Abraham's servant did? God's faithful man, the patriarch Abraham. Is that what his servant did? He positioned himself to find a wife for Isaac. How did he do that? He makes the vow to his master Abraham. And he loads up ten camels with his master's goods. Now boy, that would have been a surefire way to get blessed back that day. Hello? Because in reality, if a man had camels, that's like, that's like having Maseratis and Lamborghinis and Bentleys today. Anybody hear me? You let a fellow pull up your yard in a Bentley. You're like, oh, he's a godsend. <laughs> I see some of you women like, God just dropped him out of heaven. <laughs> but this man shows up in the city of Nahor, Brother Cameron, with ten camels. And they're loaded with his master's goods. What do you think them women said? Have mercy. Brother Jason, what was, that, what was that a symbol of? Was that a symbol of wealth? I mean, you ain't going to load up 10 camels if you ain't got the goods. Brother Stephen, he loaded up 10 camels and set out on this trek. And he arrives at the city. He's smart, too. He had a strategy. He said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to this well outside the city because I know that the women come there to draw water. This brother had a plan. Hello? Y'all give props to the brother. Come on now. This brother had a plan. He was looking for a wife for his master's son. He had prayed before he went to. You read the scripture. This man prayed. He sought the counsel of God. Is this what we should do when we're looking for a mate? Should we involve the Lord? Should we involve our parents? Hello? Yes, we should. I told my children, don't you bring home no saggy britches, young. Uh-uh. Don't you, I don't want to see the label on his brand of underwear if he comes in this house. If he comes in here looking like that, I'm telling you right now, he's off limits. Amen, brother. You have a daughter. Do you sympathize? I told my son, you got one more time for me to see the label of your underwear and you're going to taste what leather tastes like. Well, I'm going to kick you so hard that you're going to taste my shoe. Y'all ain't getting this, but I'm being real now. Listen, God's got a standard and we should have one too. Praise the Lord. And is an outstanding young man. He's the first young man who ever dated my daughter who asked my permission. Are you getting this? And when he got ready to ask for her hand in marriage, he asked me first. She didn't even know. I have nothing but high praise for him. They said, okay, let's hear, the father, let's hear, let's hear that father and son-in-law talk. I said, son, she's the only little girl I got. That's what I said. I love you with everything I am. But if you ever let the devil provoke you to hurt her, there won't be a hole in this planet deep enough for you to hide from me in. Some of y'all are like, Pastor, you said that. Ask Andy. I don't have to worry about that. Some folk like, this is going out on podcasts. All America need to hear this. All of America needs to hear this. I told my son, I said, if you're ever in a crowd of young men and they want to hit on your sister and you don't stand up for her, I'm going to beat the brakes off of you. Pastor, you said that? Certainly did. Amen. Brother Gerald said, I've been knowing Pastor Terry since he was a little boy. I can't say one bad thing about him. That's what he said. I've been knowing him since he was little. We're in a visiting church in revival. And I'm like, oh, Lord. He's really putting me way up here now. Brother Gerald said, but I'll tell you one thing. You better not mess with Lindsay. I said, oh, hallelujah. Now I got to get up and preach behind that. Thank you, Brother Gerald. God bless you. Praise the Lord. But let me tell you something. If you want to find a godly mate, you need to position yourself to find one. Abraham's servant, he traveled far, invested time, 
and strategically placed himself by this well just outside of town in the evening when the women went to draw water. Say, brother had a plan. He had a plan. He prayed. The Bible tells us that. I want you to read Genesis 24 in your leisure, and you're going to find out that this man wanted to be successful in this endeavor. Brother Ted, he didn't want to come back a failure. He didn't want to amen, meet the demands of what his master had asked of him. He wanted to be successful in this endeavor. And how many of you know that the only way to be successful is to involve God and to seek God's counsel? Praise the Lord. God has a design in marriage. Anybody know Pastor John Gray from Relentless Church in Greenville, South Carolina? Anybody know John? You know what John said? John said, all the single ladies. All y'all perked up right then because that song came to your mind. Just like, all the single ladies. Y'all, I watched you. It's amazing how y'all respond to things. But John said it over a congregation. He said, all the single ladies in the house. Are you listening? Here's what John said. He said, if you walk like a wife, your husband will find you. Whoa. Whoa, somebody. John said, if you walk like a wife, your husband will find you. And the church said, Woo, tell me that timing isn't everything with the Lord. Is timing everything with God? It's amazing to me. That this man had asked God in his prayer for certain things to happen. And he arrived. He, listen, he's very to the point. He is very specific in his address to God in prayer. And when he arrives, glory to God, and wants this woman to give him water, guess what this woman says? I'm going to water your camels too. Good Lord. How many of you boys want to turn a backflip off a camel? He's got ten of them. Brother Ernie said, they drink a lot of water. Hallelujah. Brother, you have spoken well. They do drink a lot of water, and it takes a process of time. How many of you know that in that day, wells were dug into the earth? They were like cisterns. You follow what I'm saying? I don't know how big this woman's jar was, but man, let me tell you something. This woman was hospitable. She had love in her heart because she'd never seen this man before. But she says to him, not only am I going to provide water for you, but I'm going to water your camels also. Lord, have mercy. This man was like, God, I done found that boy a wife. He did. He prayed that she would respond in that manner. You tell me that God don't have a design, that God doesn't have a plan, that he hasn't laid a blueprint. He has. It's right there in his word. Right there in his word. Now listen, Brother Ernie, those camels drink a lot of water. And there were 10 of them. And amen, I can sometimes, Brother Robert, through an eye of faith, I can see that woman going down into the earth, into the well to fill that jar or whatever receptacle she used to water those camels. But I can promise you one thing. Brother Freeman, them camels didn't leave. They're thirsty. That woman met, amen, the need that lie among those animals and that man who went with them. What was that saying to him? What was that saying to Abraham's servant? Lord, I want to thank you for answering my prayer. Huh? He had those camels loaded down with his master's good. That was a symbol of wealth. I said it earlier. Praise the Lord. It was like having Maseratis and Lamborghinis. So a woman sees this man roll up into town with ten loaded camels. And the first thing she says, or what many women would have said, was cha-ching, cha-ching. Uh-oh. But no, that wasn't Rebecca's heart. Rebecca was a different kind of woman. You see, when we're seeking a mate, we should seek someone of high character. A person who possesses mental and moral qualities that honor God. Rebecca was such a person. Did you take a look at who she was? The Bible said that, number one, she was beautiful. Okay, that's a winner. Secondly, the Bible says she was a virgin. Oh, that's a winner for sure. Hello? And then what I discovered from the Word of God is that she was also a hard worker. 
Yeah, she had to to water 10 camels. Secondly, I found that she was selfless. She was not just preoccupied with her needs. Uh Uh-oh. Hello, somebody. Gentleman very close to me told me, he said, my daddy tried to warn me before I got married. My daddy tried to tell me. My daddy said, don't start stuff you're going to have to keep up, boy. He said, I wish to God I would have listened. I said, what happened? He said, well, you know how it goes. I'm like, "Mm mm-hmm. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Y'all real quiet now. Y'all got real quiet. Preach, pastor. I got everybody's attention? Without a doubt. You can hear a pin drop in here. But we discover that when we're choosing a mate, we need to follow God's blueprint. And we need to choose a godly spouse. I want you to read Genesis 24. You're going to really be enlightened after you do. Well, Pastor, what about if God's got that plan, then why are so many people ending up in divorce? They got the wrong one. It wasn't the person God designed for them. But we started out in love. Certainly, how many of you know that over time, we are going to change? How many know that over time, we're going to change? It's impossible to deny that. When I was a kid, I loved watermelon. Ate everyone I could get my hands on. Now I don't care if I eat a piece in a year. We're going to change, folks. It's impossible to deny that. We need to know that the person that we're going to be married to for the rest of our life are going to change for the glory of God. And that should be our hope as well. That we're going to change for the glory of God. So when we're going to marry someone, we're going to enter this state of holy matrimony. One of the most sacred institutions that God himself originated. We need to do so with a godly mate. Amen? How about that unequal yoke? What does unequal mean? It means unmatched. It means different. Now I know what you're thinking about when Paul says this to the body of believers in the New Testament text. And Paul says, be not therefore unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Anybody ever seen a pair of oxen plowing in the field? Y'all a little bit young for that. How about mules? You're still a little young for that. But I promise you, if you go to the Amish country, you'll see animals yoked together. And a yoke was a massive wooden structure that went across the shoulders and around the necks of those animals. And it made them function as a team or a pair. Right? So could you consider that if someone was unequally yoked, that one would be strong and the other be weak? That one would be short and the other tall? I mean, look at it from that perspective. Look at it from the perspective of if it was two oxen plowing out there together and you had one short one and one tall one, how would the yoke look? Uneven. Would the yoke look imbalanced? And what would that do? It would overload one while the other wouldn't have much stress on them at all. Do you think it can be that way relationally? Y'all is real, y'all, y'all is real quiet. Am I talking to the Harvest Church group today? So there is one way that I will not unite people in marriage. That is when one is committed to serving Christ... And the other is a non-believer. Because scripture justifies that we should not be unequally yoked. Is that, is that okay? I don't want to upset anybody or cause anybody to lose any sleep. But I believe what God meant he said. And he said what he meant. And I don't believe that we should be involved with people who aren't in right relationship with God, if we are. So I'm Pastor, you mean we shouldn't have unsaved friends? I didn't say we couldn't have unsaved friends. I'm talking about husbands and wives. 
I'm talking about lifelong partners that we're going to enter a union with before a congregation of people and the host of heaven and say that we want to remain together for the rest of our lives. Is, important that, is it important that both of you should be walking in union with God? Absolutely. Or, or what's it going to do? It's going to put more strain on the one while the other is just carefree and doesn't have a bother in the world. That's good preaching. And I want to squash this myth right now. I condemn it back to hell from where it came. And what is it? Opposites attract. Really? Opposites attract. That is a myth. There's no truth in that whatsoever. Well, I've seen people that didn't have. Listen, I know you're the exception. I understand. But the truth of the matter is, scientists have discovered that people are attracted to those who hold the same views and values as themselves. So there's proof in the pudding. Opposites do not attract. Amen. Y'all are some kind of quiet. I'm glad we're not starting revival here this week. Carl Jung is a Swiss psychiatrist. Carl arrived or was the founder of analytical psychology. Y'all looking at me like, whoa. What is analytical psychology? It promotes or emphasizes the wholeness of individuals. And here's what Carl said. The privilege of a lifetime is to become who you truly are. Is that a blessing? To become who you truly are? Here's all too often what happens to us. We're overwhelmed by qualities that people possess like beauty and wealth. And we totally suppress other habits they have like bad hygiene and excessive spending. But she's pretty though. What? I mean, I mean, listen, I don't care if she looks like Halle Berry. Raquel Welch, if she got bad hygiene, she is not the one for me. Praise the Lord, somebody. That's what you gentlemen and you ladies ought to be saying. Can I preach this while I'm here? I mean, it's comical now. I mean, we can laugh at this, but who wants to marry a woman with all the beauty in the world and come home to a nasty house? Oh, glory. I felt a slack when that come back. Walk in, honey, what you done all day? I'm getting pretty. What? Hello, somebody. Who want to marry a man, got all kinds of money, and come home, clutter everywhere? Who? I don't get it, y'all. I don't understand it. So we become so overwhelmed with, with certain qualities they possess that we're willing to turn a blind eye to other stuff. Oh, no. Uh-uh. I'm not living with no nasty woman. No. You men better wake up. And women don't want no lazy men. Yard full of stuff. Clothes not put away. Brother Raymond Hoggard said he got married. He said, boy, my mama was my everything. Raymond was the presbyter at large for the North Carolina District of the Assemblies of God. He told this in one of our camp meetings, Brother Jason. He said, and man, I married the woman of my dreams. Loved her with everything I am. But I noticed she was, she was different than the other uh, female figure in my life because I was married to her for two weeks and I came home and all my dirty clothes were still in the same place. 
And he said he walked in. He said, honey, my, my, my dirty clothes, they still in the same place I took them off every night. She said, that's exactly right. And he said, but my mother, she said, Raymond, 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 I ain't your mother. Oh, glory to the Lamb of God. What are you trying to say? If you want them washed, they should have been in the hamper. Y'all getting this? Praise the Lord, somebody. So she straightened that out real quick. What I'm trying to say is we can't look, we can't look at the certain visible qualities they possess and overlook that stuff they like to conceal. Oh, praise the Lord, somebody. That's better preaching. Y'all ought to have been in here shouting. That's better preaching than y'all responding to, I can tell you that. We are overwhelmed by those visible qualities and we turn a blind eye to other stuff. Sometimes the people that we choose turn us into people that we thought we could never be. You're like, oh, I don't know, I don't, I don't know about that. Ask Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt was married to Jennifer Aniston. Movie star? Both of them movie stars. Brad's reputed to have said this about Jennifer Aniston. I didn't like who I was when I was with her. I don't know about you, but that sounds like trouble in the camp. No wonder they ended up in divorce. Psychology Today interviewed 700 people. Some of them have been married 50 60, even 70 years. Oh, don't worry. I'm coming to the most important part of this service. Y'all looking at me like, what? The clothes. Psychology Today interviewed them. And here's what they said. One of the greatest false expectations that you can ever have through a courtship you ready? You sure? You got your pen handy. When I marry him, I'm going to change him. Psychology Today interviewed 700 people. Some of them 50 years, 60 years even 70 years of marriage I know I'm repeating myself I'm repeating myself because I want you to get this there's some potential candidates for marriage sitting in this room there's some of you that are looking for a wife some of you that are looking for a husband pastor why are you telling me this do not marry them with the false expectation that you will change them. It's not going to happen. You get this? Don't you ever expect your partner. Listen, they said, I just want you to, I mean, you know, I just want you to give me a solid answer. And here's what these group of people said. Can I expect my partner to change after marriage? They said, never, ever, 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 ever. That's what they said. So what is that the foundation of? You could possibly not be with the right person. Here's what a number of them said. Accept them as they are or don't get married. Is that good advice? Does the scripture warn us of this? I can't hear you. Stand with me on, on your feet. Come on, everybody. On your feet. Stand with me. Scripture warns us. Look at 2 Corinthians 6 and 14. 2 Corinthians 6 14. This is Paul writing to the church at Corinth. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with 
darkness. I want to tell us today, when choosing a mate, we need to let God lead the way. Amen? We need to let God lead the way. When choosing a mate, we need to understand that God has a design for marriage. He instituted it. He is the originator of marriage. And we need to really carefully know that God does not desire that we are unequally yoked together. Well, Pastor, there's a chance that I'll change them. Now listen, Paul wasn't saying that you're, if you're already married, Paul wasn't saying if you're already married that a, that a believing wife should leave an unbelieving husband. He wasn't saying that you're already in the union. What was Paul saying then? Paul was saying then that possibly your manner of living, the way that you conduct yourself, your relationship with God, it's going to change your unbelieving spouse. Isn't that right? But now having prior knowledge to this, and entering into the holy estate of matrimony with a person who is not saved, you've already compromised. And when that happens, the survey said they're not going to change. They're not going to change. So friend, let me encourage you today. You need to know that marriage was always meant to reflect Christ's relationship with the church. That's what marriage reflects. Christ's relationship with the church. So I want to encourage us that when we're seeking a mate, a marriage partner, a spouse, that we should seek someone who wants to glorify God and build His kingdom. Somebody give, somebody give the Lord a hand of praise. Come on, is that right? We should seek such a one. Come on, give God praise. This, this, this is His Word. And what we discover from the servant of Abraham is that he glorified God. He worshiped the Lord for bringing His request to life. Brought Him to life. And at the close of chapter 24, Sister Mary, we find that Rebecca brought great comfort to Isaac, her husband, after his mother had died. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed all over this auditorium. If you're lost today without Jesus Christ, you need to know that He came to save you. That He came to offer life eternal. And there is no sin that is too great or beyond God's power to deliver you from maybe you're here today you're not in relationship with Christ Jesus you will admit before heaven you're lost can I see your hand can I see your hand God bless the hands God bless these hands going up over the building ladies and gentlemen let me assure you today that Jesus came to save you he said to us in our text last Sunday I've come to seek and to save all that which was lost Jesus said, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me to finish the work that he gave me to do. He wants us to be connected with the right person. He wants us to spend the rest of our lives with a spouse that we commit ourselves to. But he needs to be a part of the selection process. We need to allow Jesus Christ room to operate in our lives. We need to give God space to place us with the right one. And I know that he will. God bless these hands that are going up. Maybe you're a Christian today and you're struggling. Can I see your hand? God knows who you are. Praise the Lord. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless those hands that are going up over the building today. And I want us to know. I want us to know today. Again, I want to echo this thought. God's not concerned with what's best for us. He is only Amen. He's not concerned with what's good, only what's best. Not what's good, but what's best. That's our Father. And He loves us. I want to pray. And we're going to be dismissed. Again, please remember those functions, events that are taking place this week. If you can't support them with your presence, 
we, ought, we want to encourage you to at least pray for them. Pray for them, would you? Would you do that? God of heaven, Lord, we bow in your presence right now to give you thanks for who you are and all that you've done. We glorify you for allowing us this time that we've been able to spend together. Lord, I pray that this word will have taken root in the hearts of our people. Lord, that it would be productive. I pray, oh God, that it would produce the desired result that you have intended. Now, Heavenly Father, bless these families that they disperse from this place and retreat to their homes. I pray your blessing upon their life and every endeavor they lay their hand to. May they be successful in all that they do as they seek you and place you on the throne of their lives. Lord, all these things by faith in Jesus' name, we pray and ask. God's church said amen. Amen. God bless you.